Father, I pray that every heart, mind, and spirit be ready to hear and receive what you have for us today, God. I pray, Father God, that you would remove me so much as it would hinder your word. That you be used in me. I will be used of you. Words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. For you are my Lord, my strength, and my redeemer. So we pray hope to rise. We pray faith to rise. We pray belief to rise in this room this morning. And it is so. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. I want us to just to breathe into that reality. We're getting ready. We're getting ready to hear the last sermon in this installment of The Art of Living. Next week we're going to have a very interesting conversation on stage with some of our beloved members here. But today, as we give you this last teaching installment, I want us to begin to breathe into the reality that it is God who intended for you to live a good life. I want you to breathe in this reality. Uh, I'm I'm not giving you some self-help tips. And I'm, I'm I'm not specifying that God has intended for you to have anything in particular that your mind has already developed desire for but I'm telling you it is the divine will of God Uh, we'll talk more about this next week but it is Jesus himself who said that he came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly and so let me just uh, disprove debunk and rebuke the notion that your struggle is indicative of your position in God Now, while there may be seasons of suffering and there may be seasons of struggle, God never intended for you to live your whole life in that one season. Hallelujah, somebody. God never intended for you to always be on the bottom. He never intended for you to always be losing and not winning. He never intended for you to always be sick and not experience healing. Now, in this life, we will have to experience the contrary so that we can have a context of just how good God is. But it is never the will of God that we stay there. I believe, and and this is just a precursor to my notes, I believe that many of us, we have found ourselves in, um, in lower places of living. Not because it was God's will, but because we became comfortable there. But by the grace of God, we will move from that space. So in this seventh installment of the art of living, today we're going to talk about hope. Everybody shout hope. Hope. I pray that is germinating in this air right now. Amen. Amen. We're rebuking all the colds and all the nasty germs. And we want to lift up the, the, the good germination of hope in here. If anybody came in here feeling uh, in despair, if anybody came in here feeling uh, uh, just without peace, without hope, I pray right now that you are beginning to be invigorated by the hope of God in this room. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's, let's, let's see what the word of the Lord has to say uh, this day. Romans chapter 5, 
Romans chapter 5, let's read verses 1 through 5. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. You should grab it on your phone. You should have your Bible. And at the very least, you should be able to look at the screen. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Thank you. If you can, amen. Please stand for the reading of our Lord and Savior's word. This is how we roll here. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version simply for a clear understanding. But I'm sure whatever version you have should say the same thing. Uh, as long as your Bible has 66 books in it. Amen. If your Bible has more or less, see me after church. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that the sufferings produce endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. <laughs> I need you to understand that as we go into this teaching it is imperative that you put your hands on the hope of God. It is imperative that you operate in hope. There is no man, woman, boy, or girl in this life of this world that cannot survive without the hope of God. Now before I get to explaining more of what hope is, I need to let you know what hope is not. All right, because many times we, 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 we begin to uh, develop our own understanding of, of, a, of a particular thing, but our understanding is based on our limited context. And therefore, we have an ideology that is developed that has no bearing on the reality of it. But I believe if we are taught about what a thing is not, as we develop a reality of it, we can automatically know real from fake. So the first thing I need to put in your minds is that despair is the enemy of the believer. Despair, despair, despair is the enemy of the believer. It will cause one to conjure real pain, sorrow, and fear concerning an idea or concept that may never come to be. I'm going to say that again. Despair will cause us to conjure up real pain. You felt sick about that thing. Didn't even happen. Hasn't even happened yet. May never happen. But because of the despair that you feel concerning that idea, you have conjured up. You have made your body sick. You feel pain in your stomach. You have given yourself migraines. You are walking around in sorrow and you are crippled by fear because of an idea or a concept that may never even come to be. 
despair rather is defined as watch this if you look in your in your dictionary right now you go to the to the Miriam Webster dictionary uh, the Web, uh, Webster dictionary if you go to the Apple dictionary if you, I don't know if Android has a dictionary. We're going to pray about that. If, if there is an Android dictionary, if you look in those dictionaries, amen, Pastor Michael, God bless you, it will say despair. Here's the, here's the definition of despair. Despair is defined as the absence of hope. That's what despair is. It is the very absence of hope. Despair, if it had a song, its most, its most resounding anthem would be, here it is, it's too late. How many times have, have, we, have we opened the hymnal of despair and turned to the most famous hymnal? It's too late. It's too late for me. It's too late to make it. It's too late to catch it. It's too late. It's too late. This is the anthem of despair. It's too late. We're too far. It's too bad. All those songs. Come on, y'all. Don't act like you don't know them like you know Amazing Grace. Because when we didn't sung them, it's too late. Too far gone. I'm too old. I'm broke. I can't. Don't nobody like me. I don't have no friends. I can, cannot reach it. I'm too short. I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. Shall I sing on? We've sung these songs. We've turned them into anthems. And now they begin to jerk just like the anthems of faith. We sung anthems of faith today. We've sung anthems of faith that charged up that you should leave out of here excited about your new week. But when we just the same way that an anthem will work in faith, it'll work in despair. And we sing those anthems. And then our children learn them. And then our children begin to sing them. And if we be honest, we didn't make the anthem because our mama sung it to us. But I believe there is a generation of people that say, I want to sing a new song. I believe this is why the psalmist begins to lift up this word. Let us sing unto the Lord uh, a new song. The psalmist asked the question, how can we sing the songs of the Lord in a strange land? You're going to have to figure it out. You're going to have to conjure. You're going to have to raise up faith. You're going to have to find a space in your life where you can sing the songs of the Lord rather than resounding the anthem of despair. So we got to put something different there. Here's what Bishop Desmond Tutu, uh, the famed South African bishop, here's what he says. He says, hope is being able to see that there is light despite all the darkness. Bishop Desmond Tutu says that, that hope is being able to see that there is light despite all the darkness. Now, yes, we live in a very dark world right now. Yes, there are, there, there, are, there are very dark times facing us. But we have to understand that amidst all the darkness, there is still light. Bishop Desmond Tutu says that hope is the ability to see light, even though there is all type of darkness around. 
Uh, and I wish this sermon was being preached at the nighttime because I would be able to give you a great illustration that the greatest physical example of hope is light. Some would ask why. I'll tell you because much like light, hope is pervasive. Let's say this again. I need you to hear this. Hope is pervasive. In our physical realm, just just imagine this for a minute. Just just imagine just imagine this for a minute. Our physical sight is based solely off what light illuminates. Or it's going to get there. Think about it. Your your eyes can work very well, but your eyes will not allow you to see anything that light does not illuminate. Are you with me? Just, just like physical light, just like our physical eyes, the only thing that we can see is what light illuminates. If you're in a pitch black, dark room, if there is no light around, you cannot see. But what will happen even in the faintest of lights? It could be the status light from your phone. It could be the little light beeping off of the smoke detector. Your eyes will hone in on that light and it will give context to everything in the room. Have you ever been in a room and you turned the light off and, went, and immediately after turning the light off, everything looked pitch black? But the longer you, stared, you stood in that room and you stared in that room, it began to become brighter. Why? Because your eyes were attracting to the, the variants of light that were coming into the room. It could be the light that was coming from the street light that peered in through the curtain or all the way up underneath. It could be the light from underneath the door of a room that's lit on the other side of the house. Wherever the light was coming from, your eyes are going to be able to see what you're in because the light that's on the outside coming into the inside. I come to let you know that hope works the same way. Hope works the same way. It does not matter what's where you are, it matters what's coming in. I'm going to pause right here. You got to be very careful of who you allow to talk to you. You got to be very careful uh, to, uh, to, to, to curate the conversations of your life. Be very careful that the sources that are speaking to you are sources of hope, are sources of good, and not just sources of doom and despair. If we got to have violins every time we converse, I'm good. Thank you. God bless all of your life. But I, I, I don't need no more sad song. Come on, where my, come on, where my Jimmy Early fans at? I can't sing no more sad song. You know, there has to come a time in your life where you recognize that if I'm going to live, I need some light. And I cannot have darkness taking up all my life. And so likewise, with our spiritual vision, it is based on what our hope illuminates. So you have to allow yourself spaces and opportunities for hope to become pervasive in your life. There ought to be spaces where hope floods your life. This is why the assembly is so important. This is why, watch this. Many of the times, the people that are going down further are the ones who have decided to unplug from the assembly. And we unplug because of what we're going through, only to find that we go through deeper. 
Because everybody's going through. I bet, I bet if we could poll the audience today, everybody could say that they had something that they were dealing with. Some type of issue or vicissitude that would stop us if we allowed it. However, we have received a ray of hope. We've seen the light peering underneath the door. We've seen the street lights coming in through the blinds. And now we are encouraged to move forward because we have a lay of the land. Let's move forward. Every hope that, everybody ever, anybody ever use that? I hope that. I hope that. I hope that this happens. I hope that that happens. I, I hope that we can. I hope that it will. Every hope that essentially presupposes a hope in. Don't miss this. Every hope that essentially presupposes a hope in. Thusly, our hope must transcend the finite and be ascribed to the infinite. I love what, what President Dwight D. Eisenhower says. He says, he, he's quoted saying before, before the war, he says that there are no atheists in the foxhole. Why, why, why is there no atheists in the foxhole? Because even, even for those who have not ascribed to the belief of one particular faith or another, when we get into the perils of life, each of us have a decision to make. And that decision is, will I allow despair to engulf me and take me over? Or will I look for the light and hope in it? And so even for the brother or the sister who has no faith in Jesus, who, who, has, who has not professed him as their Lord and Savior, when they are standing in a hospital room of their loved one and the, and the doctor has said, there's nothing else we can do, even that person who seems to have no faith will find the light under the door and say something like, well, I hope they get better. What are you, what are you hoping in? I'm hoping in a transcendent force that can override the mundane. I'm trusting in a finite space that can take over, an infinite space rather, that can take over the finite. So this is why I have a heart for every person. Even if they don't believe the same thing I believe because I know that God is real enough to meet us wherever we are. And I know that life will allow you to go through issues that at some point in time you will either have faith, have hope, or you will have despair. And there are some people who are just too resilient to be atheists. There are some people that, 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 will not, that will not just take that this is the end. Do I have any believers in here? There's a few people in this room right now that says, you know what? I know what the doctor has said. I know what the accountant has said. I know what all the forces have said. But there is a greater force beyond all these people. And what he says is the last say. Call him Buddha. Call him Allah. Call him Muhammad. Call him what you will, but there will come a time in your life when you will have to acknowledge that he is. See, here's what I love about the Christian faith. I don't have to make you accept Jesus. I just have to get you to the consciousness that there is. 
And if you and I hang around long enough, we will attach an identity to his isness. But there will come a time in your life where you will be pushed against the wall to the degree that you understand that there has to be a force greater than myself. There has to be a force in the universe that can change what I'm going through. There, there is another way. And this is what hope demonstrates to every man, woman, boy, and girl on earth, whether they profess Jesus as their Lord and Savior or not. This is why the scripture says that even demons believe and they tremble because they are aware of the isness of God. And we as believers, we should rejoice greatly because not only do we understand the isness of God but we understand the wholeness of God and so we have to rely on our hope in God so we must understand that it's not just a hope that but it must be a hope in and so even if somebody doesn't believe what you believe just let them keep living and when they get to the place to where they rely on hope, you should be there to contextualize their hope. It's not even an evangelistic message, but I feel, I feel the Lord push me in that regard. Listen, you, you, you don't have to beat Jesus over anybody's head. Life will do a good enough job of that. And when life causes an individual to arrive at the place to where their back is against the wall and they either have to choose to live in despair or take an exit route, they will say, where is the door? And Jesus says, I am the way. So we must, we must understand that there is a reality beyond despair. And the reality beyond despair is hope, but we must choose to take it. Can I ask a question? May I ask a question? How many of us have Jesus Christ in our hearts, this Holy Spirit of Jesus dwelling in us, yet we still choose despair? How many of us have tasted of the glorious realities of Christ? Yet in the peril of life, we choose despair rather than choosing hope. Let's look at our text in focus. We read verses 1 through 2. It affirms the reality and the benefits based solely on the finished work of Jesus Christ. The realities of hope, the realities of faith, they are in our life. But we must understand, lest any of us get puffed up. It is only because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. You didn't earn your hope. Hallelujah, anybody. You, you, you didn't learn enough to gain faith. Faith is not given. This is what the Gnostics believe. They believe that, that the agnostics believe that if you read enough, you can get faith. If you, if you study enough, if you accumulate enough knowledge or information, then now you have earned faith. Listen, you can read all the books in the world, but if you have not given your life to Jesus Christ and if your soul has not been planted in the soil of the redeemed, then there is no hope for us. But if we have transcended the mundane and trusted the miraculous, we now have been given faith. We now have been given hope. 
but even as verse 2 and verse 1 affirms that this is only because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. So don't ever allow anybody in your life to get to the place to where they feel or they make you feel as if they have earned anything in God. Because that, that is not the reality. The Bible teaches us that at our very best, we are mere filthy rags in the sight of God. And unless his blood covers us, redeems us, and washes us from our sins, we will be right where we've been. But thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. He says, I have given you access now. I have given you a space. I have given you a, a portal. I have given you a way and a mean to escape the mundane. So even when you are in a hopeless situation, I have given you a life hack. I have given you the ability to escape your reality and to transcend to a greater reality. This is what grandma was doing. So even though everything was going on in her life, even though diabetes and cancer was taking control of her physical body, she still had a praise in her spirit because she had an escape door. She didn't live in that reality. She escaped and transcended to a higher understanding of faith in Christ. And if we push that envelope a little bit further, ah, we can get to the place if we walk in him that we can call those things that be not as though they are already and as they align with the will of God we can begin to speak to circumstances and situations I wish I had people that had faith in here that knew how to that knew how to talk to sickness that knew how to knew how to talk to disease that knew how to talk to lack and begin to demand that it aligns with the will of God verse 3 and 4 uh, they speak to the redemptive power of suffering which is unwelcome but proves to be a source of productivity for the believer let's nestle with this for a minute nobody wants to suffer and and I, I've declared this already and I want to say this again nobody has to live in suffering but I do believe that there are sufferings of season that are necessary for the believer to produce greatness from them. What you have to make sure, what I have to make sure, what we have to make sure to do is not to allow our season of suffering to, watch this, to categorize our living. How many of us have suffered and then got comfortable in the suffering? and decided to pitch a tent right there. And we, and, we, and we stayed in the suffering, and because we heard somebody who did not know how to handle the word of God correctly, we got comfortable in our suffering. Because this mismanaged preaching told us that we're closer to God when we suffer. Told us that, that we, should, we should stay here and not complain about where we've been. That, I like this, trouble don't last always. Can I be honest with you? Trouble lasts as long as you welcome it. Watch this. The, the, Paul, Paul says it like this. I can, I can be perplexed but not in despair. 
I can be pressed on every side but still be in comfort. Why? Because I have not allowed what's pressuring me on the inside to, uh, to outside to come into the inside. Here's the reality. Folk can trouble you all you, they want to, but you have to make a decision to be troubled. I, okay, am I... Uh, <clears throat> he, you, you have to learn that these are seasons that we go through and even in the midst of those seasons every season declares an attire and when you go through seasons of suffering that's when you put on faith that's when you put on hope so that the faith and the hope that you have will see you through your suffering to get to the other side of the celebration yeah, yeah. the, the reality is is that sometimes we are overcome as believers because we only wear our hope at church. This is actually a safe place. You can, you can wear your despair here because you, ha you have enough tailors in the building that will say, no, that doesn't fit you. Take that, take that despair off. Let me, let me cut some hope for you. Let me cut some blessing. Let me cut some hope. Let me cut some grace for you. And so then when, when, you, when you have been given, here's the scripture, when you have been given the, the garment of praise for the, for, to exchange with the spirit of heaviness that you've come in with, then you wear that garment into the inclement weather. And, 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 the, and the despair and, 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 the, and the hatred and, and the hatred and, and the pain and sorrow of life doesn't erode your Christian character because you have put on a garment. You, you're, you're clothed, you're ready for the weather. So he says, he says that all, all suffering does is just make you ready make you better, make you prepared. So do not allow yourself to think that your suffering, that your shame, that, your, that all of that that you've gone through, that it is indicative of who you are. Question. How long will you hold on to the pain and reject the healing? Because here's the reality. When we're in pain, we get special attention. When we're in pain, we don't even have to walk. We can get a gurney. And we can lay out, and we can be carried from space to space. When we're, when we're, when we're in triage, we can be put in a wheelchair, and we don't even have to express our limiting, our extremities. We don't even have to use them. All we have to do is be pushed. And my fear is, my worry, my concern is for us as believers, not just in heavenly vision, but the body of Christ as a whole. My concern is that too many of us don't want the responsibility of being healed. So we suffer through the realities of being sick. Sister Johnson, am I wrong? Am I wrong? I, I, I just worry. I worry. I'm concerned that sometimes we, 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 are, we are interested in how many people are coming to our aid when we're in a gurney. 
I'm interested that we're far too comfortable with all of the flowers and the get well cards and, and the, oh, I'm so sorry for you, and I feel you. I can't believe this. Oh, girl. Oh, bro. And we love that because that's the attention that we've been desiring only to realize that God never developed us to get attention. He developed us to point the attention to him. But if I can, if I can absorb attention by being in pain and by being hurt and by being devastated and by being done wrong, if, if I can live in that long enough, maybe I, maybe I can get all of my needs met. When it was never man that was called to supply your needs. For I read in the scripture where God says through the apostle Paul that should you do what you're supposed to do, he will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. Tells us that you, you got to understand that there is a redemptive power to suffering. So you go through it. You don't stay in it. You go through it. Everybody say go through it. You go through it. You don't pitch a tent there. You don't hang out there. You don't lay there. You don't make friends there. You don't, you don't get to sing in sad songs there. You don't hang pictures there. You don't buy furniture there. You don't plant flowers there. You get out of there. Do I have anybody in here that says I've lived in this suffering long enough? I wish I had somebody in here that just got a light bulb turned on in their spirit to say I don't care how long I've been here. I'm making up in my mind that comes September the fitness and I'm out of this suffering I don't care if I'm leaving out all by myself I don't care if I leave out broke I don't care if I leave out naked at least I'm out I'll buy clothes when I get out of here I'm not gonna wear those garments any longer I don't, I don't like being spoon-fed. I want to go to the refrigerator and make my own plate. Come on, I wish I, had, I wish I had some. Listen, listen, manna and quail is only for a season. God never intended for you to live off manna. He never intended for you to live off quail. He got a land flowing with milk and honey. Get out of the wilderness. There's a, there's a, there's a redemptive power. To suffering but you don't stay there you you don't you don't stay there you have to keep moving forwards tell somebody move forward now the beautiful reality is that if we allow all of those things to work in us at the end of verse 4 he says that it produces look what your scripture says it produces hope uh, matter of fact, let's just read it so everybody's clear. Uh, uh, he says, I need you to understand that, that endurance will produce character. And character will produce hope. Now, I got to deal with this before I go to verse 5 and let you all go for your Sunday. Hope is a byproduct of character. Character speaks of one who properly manages reality. Character speaks of one who properly manages reality, who properly can, who has an honest opinion of what's going on. You got to be very careful that you don't allow 
the reality of a situation to be skewed by your emotions. Because everything is bigger when you feel small. Everything is too loud when you ain't trying to hear it. Come on. Everybody wrong when you know you right. But he says character produces hope. In other words, we are not religious sycophants that act like nothing's wrong. We, we are not walking around here with our left eyeball hanging out like I'm highly favored and blessed in the Lord and everything is good. No. We are people of character. So when several people ask me, how was your week, Bishop? I say, hey, it was a tough one. Character. It, was, it started real rough. But here, here, here's, 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 how, here's how the character produces hope. But God is able. So, so we're, we're not just saying, oh, everything is great. I'm dancing in lilies and, and, and I've never been broke and, and my marriage is beautiful and everything is great. No, no. Character says, hey, I'm going through some stuff right now. But the reality is I'm going to get through it by the grace of God. How about you pray with me today? Can I believe God that even though I'm struggling right now, even though I'm suffering right now because I have faith in God, because I hope in God, I will see the sun shine again. It's raining right now, but I got my hope coat on, and I'm gonna walk all the way through. Uh, I can't, I can't hang here long. Rodney trying to push me. The reality is that you have to know what it is. You can't put hope on a lie. I can't. You. Hope don't work in hope don't work in falsehood, family. Hope don't work in fairy tale land. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. Hope, 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 hope don't work in that in that full relationship that you got on social media. Hope don't hope hope don't work in in the, in the, in, the, in that secret lying life that you got that don't nobody know about. Hope don't work in them spaces. No, it don't, it don't work there because hope is a byproduct of character. And so this is why, here it is, this is why I, 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 I'm learning that we got to do a greater job in the body of Christ. This is why I, I, I'm, I'm leveraging my, my authority and I'm making different decisions. There, there once was a time where, where, where I would let certain stuff ride, but now I have to call certain things to consciousness because I recognize that if we don't, if we don't allow tr true character and honesty to come into this situation, there is no hope. So the only way that hope can become pervasive in a space is that it has to be built on character. So don't let, don't, don't let, any, don't let anybody believe or, or cause you to believe, you know, this is fake, it's lying, y'all lying to everybody, y'all ain't truth with nobody, or we, we just, we hope everything, well, you keep on hoping. Because that ain't Jesus' hope. That's you hope. That's hope based on your lie. But as I'm honest with the Lord, as I'm honest with myself, as I'm honest with, 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 the, with the parties around me, and I, and, and, and I say, yeah, this is the reality, but we're going to believe God. I hope. I hope in God. And my hope in God causes me to believe that this will not be the end for me. I, I wish I had somebody in here that was hoping in God today. My hope in God caused me to believe that this will not be curtains. 
then we conclude in verse 5. Verse 5 expresses the expanse of our hope, which at its peak, hear me, hear me, if, if, I, if I had, if I had more, more, more energy, I'd probably hoop for you, but I gotta, I'm going to say it like this. Listen, hope at its peak, when we get to the pinnacle of hope, listen what the scripture says, it drives out shame. Woo! <laughs> Maybe I need to hoop it so you can understand it. I said hope. Uh, no, here's, here's the reality. If I walk in the hope of God, I will literally be at the place where I never again have to endure shame. Somebody going to shout on Tuesday. He says, if you walk in the hope, hope is based on character. So that means I'm living in honesty. I'm living truthfully. And on the other side of my truth, I get hope. I get a hope coat that allows me to endure any situation I go through. And on the other side of my hope, my hope puts me at the place that no matter what I find myself in, I don't experience shame anymore. Did you hear that? I can be in a shameful situation. And not incur the shame. Because I'm, I have hope. And so this is, this is, the, this is the, 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 the power you need when you stand up for what's right. And everybody else turns away from you. And watch this. If we be honest, there have been many times as believers that we stood up for what was right. And we felt shameful. We felt like we were all by ourselves. He says in the scripture that if you walk in hope that hope will make you not ashamed so no matter where you have to use that hope in no matter what situation you find yourself in that causes you to have a need for hope in that place you will not be ashamed how would you live your life if shame wasn't an object anymore how would you walk Oh, I feel that, man. I, I feel like I got to prophesy with somebody. How would you walk if you no longer had to deal with the shame? Watch this. Not only the shame of your present, but the shame of your past. I'm through. Because here's what hope does. Because hope is forward. Hope causes me to keep my eyes and my attention and my focus forward so I no longer have to dwell on my past because my past is the source of my shame. And so now since I've been delivered and released from my past because of the forward hope that I have, I no longer walk in shame. Is this going to help you in your week? You have to leave shame. You have to walk in character and embrace hope. And when you walk in hope, shame does not have any hold on you. People will try to shame you because of what they know about you. But when you've already submitted everything about you to the creator, and he's, ex watch this, and he's exchanged your shame for hope, now you don't trip. One of the hardest weeks I've ever had. But watch this. You can ask my wife. I've never had better sleep. She had to wake me up like, oh, what time is it? Because there's no shame. 
I'm not ashamed of the decisions I've made. I'm not ashamed of the stance I have to take. I'm not ashamed of the direction that I need to go in. And I declare for every person in this building who's under the sound of my voice, as you begin to walk in the grace of God, shame will be a memory for you. Shame will not be something that characterizes your present reality. You will no longer live in the shame of your past. You will no longer live in the shame of bad decisions because now God has redeemed even your bad decisions. And he has given you hope for a greater, brighter, blessed future. Not only that, but he envelops the love of God in us and causes us to thrive in the Holy Spirit. My prayer for every one of you today is that you begin to embrace the hope of God. That you begin to embrace God's hope. This is a secret to living above the influence. This, this is, this, this, if you embrace this truth that I'm, that I'm delivering by the grace of God today, you will literally have a whole attitude adjustment in your life. You will, you will begin to walk in a place to where you become unoffendable. To where stuff don't lay on you. It don't weigh on you. My goodness. I, I, in certain places, like people, people ask me, why I'm, I'm, you're not mad? No. I got too much hope to be mad. God's been too good to me to be mad. Cuss me out. I'm going back to the house God gave me. Speak curses on me. You can't curse what God didn't bless, so it's null and void. You standing on a lie. I'm walking on truth. Who going to sink? Hope maketh not a shame. Family, it's time for you to live in hope. And as you live in hope, shame will be a distant memory. And you will see the power of the Lord envelop you, the power of the Holy Spirit envelop your life like never before. Do you believe that? Let's pray that into our reality. Father, in the name of Jesus. We pray that your scriptures have been properly exegeted. Your word has been declared to your people and that we live according to it. We thank you for the finished work of Jesus Christ who has solidified our, our space. We thank you, Father God, that one of the benefits of that space is hope in you. And so, Father, we pray that we would live in that hope. And that hope will make us not ashamed. Father, we pray that the truths that have been spoken here, that they, that they germinate into our week. And that they begin to infect our decisions. And our conversation so that we will move according to your divine will. I, I pray divine character over these your people. That we will be honest about where we are, but we will also be hopeful about who we belong to. Because we hope that, but ultimately we hope in you. So let that hope begin to populate our lives this week. 
Let that hope begin to rest in us this week, Father God. That we may live the life you've called us to live. And it is so. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Did you receive a word from the Lord today? Hallelujah. Listen. The scripture is clear to say that we have been justified by faith in Christ. That's what gives us the hope.